Um, so I'm going to ask my wife to come stand up with me. I've given her permission to interrupt me. <laughs> While we're chatting, give her her opinion. opinion. But before we do that, Mark has a word for us. That, uh, now. And now we're okay. Will you use another mic?
And when she turned the corner with her father, he jumped up. I've never seen this in 50 years of marrying people. I've never seen this. He could not contain his love, his excitement, his anticipation of his wife coming down the aisle, or his wife-to-be coming down the aisle. And as I saw that, the Spirit said to me, that exemplifies my longing for you as my church, my wife-to-be. I cannot wait for us to get married. And I said, Lord, scripturally, and God said, go look at the lost story of the prodigal son. Do you know that the daddy, the prodigal dad, ran to his son when he saw that his son coming back home. He ran to him because he longed for him and loved him. Now, if God runs to us when we as lost come to be saved, how much more would he not explode with excitement when we fulfill the journey of all the lost coming to become his bride one day? How much more would he not explode with excitement and anticipation? As 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 he said, he could literally not say what he said. I've never seen that before. God said, that's all, that's a bit, a depiction of my longing, my waiting for you to become my wife. And who, who, who is the wife of Jesus? The church. Each one here that confesses Christ as Lord is the bride to be. We're not married yet. There will be a great feast of the wedding of the Lamb of God. But it's not we already his children and we already his body. We're not yet his wife. We are his betrothed. We are going to become his wife. We're engaged with him. We're not yet married to him. And so the amazing thing about a relationship between a young man and a young woman, when we start off with that relationship, you start in the first journey of imitating. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, imitate Christ. And at the beginning, the, the, the few verses before they get to, to husband and wife and, and the relation between a man and woman, he says, imitate Christ. So God wants us to imitate Him in our relationship with each other as man and woman. You start walking, you start being an example of who Christ is as the man. Because the man, according to Ephesians 5.21 onwards, the man represents Jesus. The woman represents the church. But I've got good and struggling, tough news for you guys. We're all going to be the wife of Jesus one day. Yeah. Who fights that hard as a man? It's going to be spiritual. Then it will be mine. It's going to be a spiritual wife. Alright. So men and women, they all come to Christ. We're all together form the unit of God. I want to ask my wife to just share an important thing uh, with regards to what we chatted.
for the last reading to Jesus. I believe and we believe God will not entrust one of his sons or one of his daughters to you until he can trust your heart being devoted to him. First and foremost, God is the jealous God. Somebody asked me, how can God be jealous because he commands us not to be jealous of other people? Do not covet your, your neighbor's wife, one of the Ten Commandments. And do not covet other people's possession. The reason why God can covet us is because He made us. We belong to Him. Your neighbor's wife doesn't belong to you. Your neighbor's house doesn't belong to you. You belong to them. But God created all things for whose pleasure? His pleasure. He's got a right to ownership over us. He made us. We are the clay. He's the potter. How can the guy say to the potter, do this or that? You've got no rights. Just be thankful God loves us. All of us actually deserve what? Hell. Hell. No. God says, I love you. I save you. Believe in me. And I'll show you a beautiful part. Alright, so let's go look at. We've already, I'm going to just read us this verse. Um, it is Ephesians 1, uh, Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. I read in the New Living Translation. So it might differ from, from the one on the board. So it says, is it up? Oh, it is the same. Well done. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Yeah. So we as future Mates, husband, future husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, we are to imitate God in everything we do because we already are His children. So, as His children, we should imitate it. How much more towards a guy that doesn't belong to me belongs to God? And a girl that doesn't belong to me belongs to God. But I'm asking God, can I have the privilege of becoming a steward of that girl for you, Jesus? That's marriage. Boyfriend, girlfriend, nobody belongs to anybody. We are led to one another, to look after one another, to be stewards of each other on behalf of. So if you hurt your girlfriend or the girl that you're being married, who's going to sort you out? God. She belongs to God. And if you hurt the guy, who's going to God will sort you out. But it does both of you. So we are given, we are led to. Imitate one another as the children of God. To imitate Him. Alright. Live a life, verse 2. Live a life full with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So you have started, you, you feel God saying to you, there's a goal for you. You really feel God in. Your heart's devoted to God. You see Him. You don't want to be alone the rest of your life. And your eye catches that girl. And your heart pumps chocolates. And you go, oh, she's the one. So now the Lord says to you, okay, if she's the one, you must love her and offer yourself as a sacrifice for her as a pleasing aroma to God. You must love her. You start in the journey. Because you feel, yes, there's an 80, 90% chance she's the one. Now you must start showing her and trying to practice to love her as an offer to God and love her as Christ loves you and loves her. That's really the foundation. And how possible is that unless you have this relationship that's solid? How many of us are able to lay down our lives to someone else? Who gets that right very really easily? Raise your hand. I'm going to handle it. So the Lord says to us, if you start pursuing an intimate, romantic relationship, you must pursue it with a sacrifice laying down in your life as part of that process. So we say, if you premarital couples, if you premarital counseling, or if you marriage, you need to know how Stuff. And we say to you guys, we say, when you say I do, you've actually signed your death certificate. <laughs> you have. You've signed, I no longer live for myself. 
I live for God first and foremost, and then I live for my future spouse. And you start that journey as boyfriend and girlfriend. So, how proper is it to touch each other on wrong places if you put in her above yourself and she's putting you above herself? How much respect are you showing the belonging of God? How much disrespect have you shown? How much should we repent of what we've done already? And then accept his forgiveness. Don't stand in a condemnation. He forgives you. He knows we fish. He knows we are wet. But out of that perspective, I am going to this relationship because I want to lay my life down for this person one day. And I'm starting to walk this journey. So, he speaks of love, he speaks of imitation, and then he speaks of light. Light means being truthful in this relationship. Being honest towards one another is crucial. In this relationship, we must be imitators, be examples in our physical interaction with each other, in our verbal, in our body language, and we must be cautious not to be something wrong to others. How can I be something wrong to someone else? We have a very good friend of ours that often visits us and she's single, she's got two kids, she's single, and one instance she was sleeping over a few nights, a few days with her kids, and I took Nordine and I hugged her and I kissed her, and this lady said, Mac, don't eat you from the starving. They didn't snap that, the biggest guy laughed. Don't eat in front of the starving. So that's being, that's considering others, being an example, not being a stopping block to someone else. And even though everyone around you are couples, they might be struggling in their relationship. Now you could do so one another and you and, and they they struggling with each other. Are you being are you considering them about yourself? Alright, so. Let's go look. Well, Leonard and I make up new words. We can't even this. Very interesting. I'm learning from you. Okay. So, Ephesians 5, verses 21 says, And further, submit to one another. Okay. Before I carry on, I'll jump a whole lot. Verse 3 to verse 14 speaks of things that people do that do not reflect the love of God. And one, I'm just going to highlight one verse. I, I don't have time to go through every verse, but it's one verse that I notice many people miss. So, 3 to 14 speaks about all the things we as humans can do that doesn't imitate Jesus and doesn't reflect His love. Alright? One verse out of all of those, you can read it in your own time. It says, It is shameful, verse 12. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. You think it's shameful to look at it. If it says it's shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, is it alright to look at it? Hello? Is it okay to read about it? If we're not even allowed to talk about it, how much has gone into these two portals of this body that's wrong? Tons. So now I say, God, clean my mind, clean my heart. I want to live for you. And God will give you His choice on a life partner for you. You can trust it. You can trust it. Alright, so now let's jump right over to verses um, 21. It speaks specifically about relation between a husband and a, wife, a woman, a man and a woman, which represents Jesus and the church. And further, submit to one another, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Would you just share a little bit about that? So, um, the next verse is about submission, and I think that, again, our society has, has given such an obscured uh, vision and um, perspective of submission that they often miss this scripture. It says, my, my reverence to Christ. And makes reference to Christ. It says, submit one to another. So we don't fight each other, we establish unity. We want to make certain decisions and we establish unity because we don't, there's not an argument do I want your will or do I want my will? We both go, what, what does God want from this? 
how do we make decisions that we can stand in unity but glorify Jesus? And then we follow the design Jesus has put in place. So the very next verse says, for wives, this means, the submission means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So yes, submit to one another, but it's a time when you must let your husband make the final decision. And a beautiful balance of that is verse 23. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, that's Jesus, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Next part. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed her by the cleansing of God's word. I always ask this to ladies. Is it hard to submit to a man if you know he is pursuing to put your interests above his own? Is it hard? He doesn't get it right sometimes, but his heart is turned to lay his life down for you as Christ laid down his life for the church. Then you can trust him. And it won't make mistakes, but that's between God and, and him. It's not between you and him. Don't let my told you so now. You discuss something and he has to make the decision and you cannot come to agreement. You rest it with him. And that's why it's so important that you serve God full on. You give your life full on to God that God can direct you to the choice that he has for your life. Yes. I want all the guys to go to us because I don't want the girls to feel I'm burdening them. Ladies, who of you find hard to submit? Be, be honest. Okay? You can take good out of your hands. I want to share with you something you can open your eyes. I just don't want the guys to teach the girls afterwards, right? Because that's what the guys do. I just want to explain to you something about submission. We, we are married. There's a model that Jesus designed. He's a designer. He's put the scaffoldings in place. And submission is one of our responsibilities. So the moment I got married to that, I carry a responsibility in my, in my marriage. And my responsibility is to submit to him. But the enemy um, was this in our ears about lies. Because when Jesus designed for me and any other female in this building, he designed me as a woman with the ability to submit. Because Jesus doesn't make mistakes. And the moment you struggle to submit, there is rebellion in your heart. Because I can do it better. I can stand outside of God's design. And I can show that there is a different way. The moment you try to find a different way, the scaffolding weakens. So this, it's, a, it's a large um, vocabulary. But for now, I just want to say, like, search your heart if you struggle with submission, ladies. And I always say, if somebody comes to me and says, I really don't do submission, then I go, were you a really teenager? Yes. It's, the answer is not a yes. Like, can you see, looking over your shoulder, that the enemy wants to give you an obscure perspective of submission? Because there's something very godly. It's your calling, it's your responsibility in my country. But there's a calling in it. There's a God design of the ability of, I can do this because I received it by design. Just in closing, because we need to be fine for questions, it says here in verse 27, it speaks about Christ laying down his life because he loves the church. He did this, it says, to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any blemish, instead she will be holy and without fault. So the husband is clearly a spiritual leader. And clearly, if we follow Christ's example, he clearly has to guide his wife into becoming more and more Christ-like. As he becomes more and more Christ-like, he leads her in her becoming more and more Christ-like. In her becoming more the flavor of Jesus Christ. So that the man represents Jesus. The wife represents the church. And humanly speaking, no man is able to lay down his life 
for his wife, for his girlfriend to be. You start in the process. No guy can do that outside and into the relationship with Christ. Because the Holy Spirit enables you and I to say no to ourselves. The Holy Spirit enables you and I to become selfless and less selfish. Because it's in selfishness that we cannot prefer our future. After you prefer Christ, Christ is always first and foremost. But after you put him number one, you need to prefer your future spouse or the girlfriend that you gave. You need to work in that direction to prefer her above yourself. Because that's the seed you are sowing into her life. And she will produce the seed that you sow into her. If you sow into her, me and my way, I'm the boss, I'm in charge. She's going to give you that seed back. I just want to say, Mary, our responsibility is that whatever happens in our relationship, the weight of marriage is, whatever you see in us, is a relationship between Christ and His church. And that is the weight of marriage. We carry a heavy relationship because we represent in marriage the covenant God to the world and to people around us. And that's you, you are the ambassadors of Christ and the church's relationship when you start going up with the Lord. You place her above yourself and she will deceive you so she will nurture and she will place you above herself. The best fight and the only biblical fight there is is when you fight because you want to give each other something rather than give it yourself. That's a good fight. It's an unselfish fight. That's a godly fight. But when you fight because you want your own way, that's not a godly fight. But if there's a hundred grand left in the budget and I need what you can't get today, a pair of shoes and my wife needs a new blouse, you can't do that for a hundred grand today. Unless you, unless you buy, <laughs> on wishes, you see the wishes, imports from China, they can reach you. Very bad quality. If you have a hundred grand left and she needs a shirt, you need shoes. Then you say, my darling, use it under and buy a blouse. All your other blouses are faded. I'll, I'll stay with my shoes that got a hole. My, my soles are coming off. And she says, no, 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 my husband. You take it under and you stand on your shoes. And you have a fight because you want to bless one another. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. We have a All right. Questions. We are far over time. Sorry. We've got 40 minutes, guys. You can go if you want to go. This is going to be juicy now, I think so. So just, I've received a few questions. I'm going to keep all of them as anonymous. But, um, but for now, if you send me a question and you want to stay anonymous, I'll sort of use my discretion as well. But if you want to stay anonymous, just say the boss anonymous, okay? So there's a few very good questions. So there's, also, there's a few that's very good, okay? So I'm going to try and um, see this person just said to me anonymous. So. <laughs> I'm going to say your name. Francisca. No, it's not someone like that again. Okay, I'm going to translate from Afrikaans to English. What do I do if I like someone a teeny tiny bit? And my thoughts are on this person quite often. How do I handle it? And what angers me is if I try and spend time with God and pray, but all I think about is that person. Well, not all I think about, but I think about that person a lot. So it's like infatuation. How do I handle infatuation also in my relationship with God? I've got, I've got a standard, um, I've got a standard answer. Have you spoken to your friends about it? What do they think of it? And um, who do you walk with in accountability? And the reason Josh Jen puts such heavy value on accountability is when you're in love, love is blind. You can't see it. Your perspective is, is uh, gray. It's not black or white anymore. So, chat to the people around you and hear. Pray with me, hear what God is saying, and then if there's a yes, let's see, then pursue her. But if she, if she becomes more important than God, then it's an eye on her life. If it's a guy, <laughs> don't pursue if it's a guy. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> <Jesus, I'm> God. <laughs> I, I also want to say, um, God understands. Alright? God understands that passion, that desire, that love. 
Um, and it's, it's, it's obviously you're going to have to come to a place where you're willing to sacrifice um, that, that passion and say, Lord, I put, I put you above my passion for this guy. And in your time, he'll notice me. In your time, he'll start pursuing me. And I'm going to stop feeling for him. <laughs> right, um, cool, that's good. I, I just think for me, a big revelation, my opener when I was still single was infatuation is like the feeling of being in love. And it was an eye opener for me realizing that you can be infatuated and the infatuation can actually go away. If you ignore it long enough, then the feelings go away. If you don't spend time with that person all the time, if you don't linger on those thoughts too much, eventually it goes away. So there are ways of actually like not going for it. You don't always, just the fact that you are in love with someone doesn't mean that you have to always pursue it. I think it's something to bring in accountability to people as well. Okay, so there's a couple of questions coming through. Um, so we'll be like, we'll see. All right, let me just, before I ask this question, let me just say that um, if they ask these questions, please, we are assuming that we are on the same page here, that if they answer anything, that it's based on what scripture says and not primarily on their opinion. Now, if scripture is silent, then yes, they're going to give godly wise advice because they've walked with countless couples and they've seen what works and what doesn't. But some things, it might be short and we, we're just going to assume this, and this is what the Bible says. So if you have other questions, please come afterwards if something is unclear. So this is maybe a, a touchy one. So how do we live lives of purity in a world that celebrates same-sex attraction? So, the closer you come to God, the more you want to become like God. The more time you spend with the Lord, the more He rubs off on you. And the more you taste His love, the more you want to please Him. And then that starts cancelling out same-sex attraction or even heterosexual uh, lustful attraction. So, it's the measure to which you're close to God is the measure to which you control the flesh. Flesh meaning those sinful desires. The less you fall to the presence of the Lord, the more those sinful things come over and take over. And as we said before, if you respond to every tongue that God has on your heart, you start filling up that tank. That tank of strength to resist the temptations that come. Because we are we are attacked by media, by newspapers. Everything tells us sex before marriage. And God's, God's design is marriage before sex. Because there is no safety in having sex before marriage. God will only release us into being in the most vulnerable physical position when you have a total covenant commitment from the man and the woman to the man. Then it's safe to give your body completely, to surrender to each other. But when you do that outside of the safety of that, it cuts, hurts, and destroys. And we have hundreds and if not thousands of people that can testify to that. That's why it's left for the safety of a marriage. But same-sex attraction, you can get controlled, get victory, and a lot of that comes from hurts of the past, childhood hurts. You need to come for counseling. We probably will do a soul care next year, which will deal with a lot of baggage and stuff in one's life. But um, there's stuff that happens in our childhood. Sometimes it's something that comes from your ancestry. We need to deal with that. But a lot of it is too little exposure to the love and the glory and the blessing and the provision of the Lord that makes that sinful nature become stronger than the presence of God in your life. We all struggle with temptation. Um, this is a very black and white uh, answer, but I really want to tell you the truth of the principle of it. We are created in Jesus' image, and God has never been confused about who He is. So when He created us, there was no confusion in His mind. Again, if you have more questions, make them in my open to go for a coffee and speak about these things, so these two ask for us. This is an anonymous one. My partner and I aren't married yet, but have had premarital intercourse. We would like to stop and repent, but it's obviously quite difficult to resist in the flesh. What do we do? Okay. Once again, 
new and ready counselor. Once again, you need to bring it to the light. Take it to someone that you trust and say, this is an area we've been struggling, you need to hold me accountable. Repeat to one another, and who takes the leadership in repeating? The? The guy. You lead by example. You are, does Christ tell the church to lay down her life before he did it for us? Who laid down his life first? Jesus. And then he asks us to reciprocate that love sacrifice. So that the man takes ownership because he could have said no. God told him to say no, he didn't listen. You say sorry to your girlfriend and you say to her, I'm so sorry. As far as God enables you, we're never going to step over this. And you confess it to a friend that keeps you accountable. You say to him, you ask me every time or every second time, how's it going in my private life? And the girl does the same with another girl. And then once you've repented to her, she repents to you. And then start filling up your spiritual tank that you have enough spirit, Holy Spirit power to say no to temptation. It might even be necessary to part your ways for a few weeks. To have a break in your relationship. Because every time you get together, you fall into that groove and trap. And it puts very secure physical boundaries. And the previous talk we said, if anything stimulates further physical action, don't do it. So if taking my hand, my wife's hand, stimulates further action, then I must take my wife's hand. But if I can't take my wife's hand and it doesn't stimulate me in an erotic or a sexual way, then it's okay. If hugging her from the side is fine, that's alright. But if kissing her stimulates you further, then don't kiss. So this couple that got married yesterday, because they had overstepped when they were younger, they made a decision that we came out for two and a half, three years. He said, I will never kiss you until the day that I get married. All they did was hold hands and they got to know each other. There are four kinds of love scriptures to yourself. In the New Testament, speaks of the other way love, which is an unconditional speech of the filial love, which is a family uh, brother sister love, and then it speaks of the third love, which is a friendship love. So, before marriage, while you're pursuing your possible future spouse, you need to grow those three other loves. The unconditional love, you start journeying and growing in that. Unconditional means I put your life above mine, after Jesus. Then the third love. Then it's a friendship. I pursue a friendship love. And then a brother, sister, a family love, filial love with you. Those are the loves we grow before marriage. After marriage, we go into the eros love, which is the sexual love. And if you overstep that, put these boundaries in place, maybe break them, see each other for a few weeks, get accountability partners, and then go and throw yourself at God. Go and feed on the Spirit of God. Respond to the type of the spirit during the day. Drop everything and start singing to God. Drop everything and read scripture. Whenever you feel a hunger for God, respond to that hunger. Because one obedient hunger response builds the next level of resistance to temptation. I have just finished a psychology course on sex and sexuality, and they have taught us over and over, it became irritating, that's how often they mention it. Every sexual sin is spiritual. So the reason that you can't stop as a spiritual substance that isn't there. So that's one thing I wanted to say. The second thing is the moment you bring it in the light, the secret, the sting of the secret is gone. And the moment the sting is gone, um, there's a vulnerability that, that comes in. I think it's Leonard that mentioned about the alabaster bar, Joel. It, it is that, it's bringing your most precious secret and say, I'm going to break it for to bring fragrance to Jesus. And before we can speak on healing, we have to speak about brokenness. And why do I say that? It's the moment we break, it's in the breaking that healing comes, that the fragrance comes. Okay, next question. Right, it's good to be but keep coming souls. I really, I'm enjoying this. It feels like I'm learning and I think you guys are as well. Uh, well, obviously, I'm, I'm already married, but still learning. Stop learning. They say, um, I was just thinking about it, they, they always said this, I never understood it. They say, love is blind and marriage is the eye opener. And then they said, but then, and, and children, 
teach you to, uh, to lie to yourself. That's why I'm even lying to myself guys at the moment. It's like I feel like the horse has been broken in. I thought I had a will, but I'm just learning more and more that my will doesn't exist. So I'm just like, I always like a man and the ladies like, no man. <laughs> well, I want to eat and they want to drink. Sorry, I'll eat later. You should just like be lying to yourself. Anyway, so I've got designers. It's design marriage to purify us, to teach us. Same thing with children. It's amazing how God's design works. Right. How much should you give up? How much should you give of yourself emotionally in a dating relationship? Just so that you get to know them as a friend and as a sister and that you get to love them enough that you place their interests above your own. But not to the level where you want to become physical. That you put in a box and you leave that for after marriage. And it is hard, it's not easy. But under the power of the Spirit, it is possible. And this example of this couple we married yesterday. They got it right, so can you get it right. They had strict boundaries and they stuck to it. And some of you might never, it might be that you can never be alone in a house or in a room. It's preferable that you're never alone in any case in a room. That you only meet in coffee shops or in groups going out together. So the only place you can be alone is at a lot of the table in a cocktail in a public place. If you're not able to stick to those strict boundaries of not falling physically, then put the stuff up that can protect you from yourself. I just want to say we created sexual beings. So that which you experience is godly. But there's boundaries, you know? And that's why the word says, don't cover your nose, mouth, whatever. So what you experience is within God's design. But it's not designed for, for um, what is the word to be used? What did you say the other day? Casually. Sex is not designed to, to be used casually, and it's also not the substance of any relationship. So, so emotionally, how much like about emotional stuff do we share with each other? So, yeah. So emotionally, for every couple, it's going to be different. Yeah. For, for some couples, the guy is just an easy emotional sharer, and then he will share. And then the, the girl is not that easy in sharing an emotion, and she'll learn from him how to share sometimes, and vice versa. So emotionally, share where you know this is going to deepen my friendship with this person. Don't share something that you know is going to make them um, want to desire me physically. Or desire me as 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 a as a, a husband or a future partner in the sense of a sexual sense. So share with that person something that will build friendship. Obviously, there's some things that is only between you and God. So there's some things that, that is just between me and the Lord. That is, and that's what always makes God number one in your life. You can't share everything with your spouse. There's some things that is just between you and the Lord. But the most of the stuff, uh, once you get married, you start sharing with your spouse and you reveal and you open up your heart. But that takes time. So when you share, be cautious not to share outside of the line of... So what do you share with your brother and sister? Do you share with him with him? Do you share with him with a friend? You share something, but male, female... So you don't share with him. So, there is not a, I can't say, I can't, I can't give you this. The closer you are to the Lord, the more you'll know, okay, I'm, feeling, I'm not feeling comfortable with this, let me not share this. And I'm feeling like, yes, I'm going to share that. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. When you marry, you guys have to go, because we love you, we forgive you. Forgive you for leaving, I'll use you for that. Okay, thanks, fine. Right. Um, we'll, let's say we will end at about quarter two, so we'll go for about seven more minutes, just around with us. Um, I, I think, just, just as my thoughts on it, when about a year ago, Carla and I had to go through a time where I literally opened up everything, things that I hadn't shared with her before, so that my life would be an open book, and it was incredibly difficult. And I had to allow her to ask any question that she wants about my history, about things that I've gone through, and there was tears from her, tears from me, that was difficult. But that's the marriage. You need to be an open book to each other completely. 
Uh, but also the other thing that I realized is she is not the primary person that's going to heal all my wounds and be my emotional support primarily. Some things you are going to find in the Lord and in the Lord alone. And that's important. And some things you're going to find with other people. So still now, there are some things that my life is going to look to find out definitely. But I know that some things it's not going to be helpful if I share with her. It's better if I share with Matt or Martinez or someone open up to them. So just make sure your girlfriend or boyfriend, that's not your primary place of support. When you marry, it changes a little bit, but it's not primary. You still have Jesus and accountability from other people. Okay. Two more, I think we need to try and get to. Let me, let me end with the, the ethic, more ethic one, and then I'll end with the light, on the lighter notes. Um, right. And then another question. How does one let go of having been sexually harassed or raped in the past, and it affects your relationship sometimes today still? How do you let go of those things? So I'll quickly jump in. First of all, I don't want to answer the question because I, I know too little. I will go, please go for professional help. And because once we've, been, we've gone through something like that, it does influence our perspective of God. So we need healing and a new perspective uh, professionally. Yes, so I, I would agree with that. And if you want to, you can come see us. We will try our best. I was sort of to walk the road with you, but then I want to encourage you that he's healing from that and that he's victory. One of the biggest mistakes I've made in my life is to presume that when something bad happens to someone in that circumstance, when I think, when I'm in that circumstance, it's going to, the same thing's going to happen to me, and it never does. And the same mistake is we've been harassed, we've been abused sexually, and we presume the next guy or the next girl is going to do the same thing. You can never presume that. But I know you need to go through a healing journey so that the space through which you look at the opposite sex is replaced with a fresh perspective as God heals and touches you. So there's not a quick answer to that. There's a process, a journey, why I to walk with you to receive that comfort place of healing. Yeah. Yeah, I just. You, you can't leave it if something like that has happened to you. You can't not deal with it. You have to walk through those things. And you need people to walk um, with you. I think it was last Sunday when, on Wednesday that I mentioned that um, Paul, when he got saved, he was blind. God actually made him blind. And it's something that it was really eye open for me. And God said, if you want to be healed, you need to go to Ananias. And Ananias needs to pray for you. You're not going to find healing yourself. And, and I think with something like this, you need to come to a place of saying, I want to heal, I want God to bring breakthrough in my life in this area, but you must realize that you're not going to do it on your own. You need to go to someone else that can walk the road with you, and not to your boyfriend or to your girlfriend. That's not going to work. That's the last place you need to try and find healing there. It's going to be with other older people, married people who walk the road. I would encourage you to come to your family. Okay. And then just to say, I can't, I'm not going to get through all of the questions. There's quite a bunch of them. I'm going to end with this one. So I think this is a funny one. Is it wrong to encourage the guys in the church to chase the girls? <laughs> so so we, we got a bit of a shock when 750 single ladies dropped up at this weekend's as leadership And we were really. Which, which I've been saying the last few days, we have to think that we, we are starting a men's ministry with Brett that's heading it up and he's asked a couple of us to help him. We have to teach the men to pursue the ladies. I think we can do two Sundays over yeah. there. Yeah. Is it nine girls up? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so basically, um, Many guys had not learned to pursue because the dads were not present in their lives mostly. Or they were present but they were not active dads or they were abusive dads. So we really need to teach the guys one of the things is to pursue ladies and not to feel inferior, not to feel uh, um, inappropriate or what's the word that, that I just, not to allow fear to consume their boldness, and to teach them to be bold despite the fear that they have, despite the fear of rejection. So that's a very good question, I agree with it. I just want to say, I do get 
driving down on his because I think it is a just gene thing. If you take it out of the coffee, you'll stand your case. You know, I think, I think we just need to be vocal about it. Like, so be upfront. So listen, I like you. I don't know where this is going. But can we go for coffee? So just be upfront about it. This is one that Carla and I are quite passionate about. And I can honestly say to the guys, I want to say this, yeah, you can say it also on the clock again, you look at the clock again. You need both. You need some backbone, you need a sign. And just our story, she's not here, she was at the first service, but before I started pursuing her, which was actually like a six month process, it went back to me a lot. So doesn't always work out just so soon and so quickly, like sometimes it's worth fighting for. Um, but what was I going to say? Anyway, so before me, there was this guy that just kept it very open-ended with her for a couple of months. They would speak every now and then. He was in church, love God, speak, and, and it was quite obvious that they liked each other, but he never took it a step further, and then he just disappeared after a couple of months. And when I tried to pursue her, she sort of assumed that she was still hurt from that, and that made it really difficult for me. And I just felt like as the guy approaching her that I just want to have clear communication all, all the way through. I think for girls it's really not nice if you come and you have coffee and then you just disappear because you're not interested anymore. Open your mouth, speak, grow that phone. Like, if you're not interested, then say, hey, I'm so sorry, I don't know if this is going to go somewhere, but speak up, don't need people guessing. Just my take on this. I think guys actually need to like you need to show some backbone and you need to make a decision and follow through on it. Amen, girls. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, and, and can I just say, if Carla was here, she would have said that. For the girls, there's nothing wrong with placing yourself in the right circumstances. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Like, don't stay at home watching series all the time. <laughs> you want to go to a relationship. Like, like meet other people, go to the ice cream afterwards when people hang out, go to the and see like, just get to know people because that's where it might happen, okay? <laughs> Place yourself in the right position, okay? Alright. Did you guys enjoy that? That sounds like it, alright. I'm going to end with this, listen. We like we are for godly marriages. We are for godly people dating and doing and doing it as Christ love the church. When that happens, it's a beautiful example to the world. So I just know that like, we are actually pro those things, we for those things, but we we for it doing being done in a godly, godly way. Okay, so yeah, just want to encourage you guys. Like see God, seek him primarily, and God is gonna add the right person to you. If you know, I don't think there are any married people besides us here, eh? But I'm missing one. Right, okay. Let me, uh, let me pray for you. Let me pray for you guys. And for me. <laughs> and for me. Yeah, Father, well, we thank you so much for tonight, God. We, we thank you, Jesus, that you laid down your life uh, for us, God. And you, you love the church, Lord. And as your church, we want to be in submission to you, God. And just as those two things play off, Lord, I pray that in, in our relationships and in our future marriages, when the future marriage is sitting here, that that would be such a good reflection to the world of Christ's love for his church and the church's submission to Christ, Lord. Amen. Yeah, Lord, I pray as people walk those in relationships, that you walk with them, help them in their journey, those who are not, God, that you bring the right person along their path. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.